This is the First Gen Pilot Podcast, Episode 7, starts now. What's going on, aviators? My name is Abraham, and I am your host. Today's episode, we have Kayla Landera, a flight instructor at a Flying Cloud Airport building time to go to the airlines. In this episode, we talk about Kayla's journey into becoming a pilot. We also talk about what it's like being a flight instructor applying for jobs to go to the airlines and the application process. We also talk about applying for scholarships and how it's a big help when it comes to flight training. Without further ado, here's Kayla. Hi, everybody. I'm Kayla Landetta. I am a flight instructor up at Flying Cloud in Eden Prairie, Minnesota in flight pilot training. Uh, I've been a CFI for the last year and a half, and I'm getting ready to uh, move on to the airlines pretty soon. So I'm super excited to be here with you today. Thank you so much, Kayla, for being on the First Gen Pilot Podcast. I really appreciate you being here. Yeah, excited. All right. So we'll jump into this right away. And how did you get into aviation? Yeah, so I got into aviation actually right at the start of COVID. Um, I had a business that I was running and was not involved in aviation at all. And then when everything happened in 2020, my business kind of dried up a little bit. And so I was sitting at home wondering, all right, what's next for me? Um, And after a lot of journaling and thoughts and trying to figure out, you know, I'm in my later 20s at this point, what, what could I possibly be doing? I decided that, hey, being a pilot could maybe be cool. And at first it was a lot of uh, me saying, that's way too expensive. That's too much time. I'm horrible at math and science. There's no way. And my husband was great. He told me why not. And so I started a ground school. And the day that he came home and I described to him how a carburetor worked, he said, okay, go fly a plane. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I took a discovery flight and uh, started flight training a week later and got a job at the flight school. And here I am three years later now. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's really great. Um, So it sounds like you just kind of jumped into aviation. Um, did you have any prior experience to this point or anything like that? Yeah, no, similar to you. I'm a first generation pilot. Um, okay. My my dad was in Vietnam and he was a crew chief um, in the army. And so while he was always around planes and helicopters, he never flew um, himself. Mm-hmm. But I grew up going to air shows on occasion and stuff like that and definitely uh Went and watched some planes land with him, but it was never something that was ever on the forefront of my mind. But I loved traveling. Um, similar to your interview with Ashley, another pilot who talked about on vacations, going to the airport was like the highlight. Yep. I would always just be giddy going to the airport at five in the morning to hop on a plane. So um, when I was first kind of thinking about it, I was thinking about like being a flight attendant or something. And then I just had this moment of well, if I didn't think I was bad at math and science, would I maybe consider doing something more and kind of got over that fear and decided to make the bigger jump? Yeah, definitely. And was it worth it? Oh, it was 100% worth it. I'm like the biggest aero- aerodynamics geek now. I never thought if I could go back and tell Kayla, who like hated physics in college, how much I love physics now, it would be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. You had a, actually a big impact on me when um, when I was doing my flight training at InFlight and I feel like you kind of like the way you explained things were so like exact, really. I thought that was really great. Well, that was the fun thing when you reached out about me being a part of your podcast. I know I sent you a message where the the fun part of it was for me was that you were actually my first ever hour of dual given. Uh, you were my first flight assigned to me as a brand new CFI. 
Uh, so it was kind of a fun moment getting your message and being like, oh my gosh, yeah, I would love to chat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. It's kind of crazy how time moves. All right. And so was there a moment that sparked your aviation, um, getting into aviation? I know you said it was COVID kind of looking for a change of careers there, but was there like an exact moment that you were like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and do the, this flight training and become a pilot? Yeah. Um, so I mean, my discovery flight, I just remember anyone who's taken a, fi- a discovery flight knows it's a fire hose of so many emotions and so much information and it's just mind boggling. But I remember I had signed up for it. I was so excited. I got there. I did my hour long flight with my instructor IO and he was great. He had, I had so much fun with him up in the air and I got down and I didn't know, but my dad actually, I told him that I was going to do this, but here he drove out on his motorcycle to the airport and was sitting there waiting for me in the parking lot. And I walked out and I saw him sitting there and he looked at me and he saw the smile on my face and he goes, oh, you're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I was like, yeah, this is it. Uh, I'm stuck with this. And yeah, a week later I started and it was just that moment of your dad seeing on your face that like, Oh yeah, this is what my daughter was meant to be doing. Um, that like, that's always stayed in my head is like the moment of, all right, if my dad sees it, I know it's like meant for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Parents have a huge um, experience to like when your child um, getting into something, you can see they light up and they're super excited to get into something. <laughs> yeah. And that can actually be a good motivation for you too. Totally. Well, now I just got back from Oshkosh and, uh, my dad and I, we've gone out the last two years together. Um, and it's so fun because he sat there. He took all these hilarious pictures of me just like staring up at the sky and wonder at Patty Wagstaff doing her aerobatics above us, which is like totally my goal someday to go up and do a class with her. And he just sat there and he was laughing at me where he was like, you're more enthralled with this than I ever was. And he's like, and I've been coming here for 15 years. If I had only known that you would be here with me. So it's a fun moment to share. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. (laughs) All right. So moving on. um, So funding your training, how did you go by that? Yeah, I was incredibly uh, fortunate in like a weird roundabout way. So like I said, I started my training at the start of COVID and I had very fortuitous timing with everything. The year before my husband and I had gotten married and we decided we wanted to pay off our student loans. And so my parents actually let us move back in with them in 2019 to become debt-free and pay off our student loans from college. And so we got debt-free. We were so excited. We found an apartment that we were going to move into on April of 2020. And then the world happened. (laughs) And so uh, I had a place to live while uh, in my first year of training that was basically rent-free. We kept, uh, you know, funding my flight training. Um, And then I got a job within a couple months at the flight school, so at in-flight Um, I was a pilot advisor working at the front desk, which uh, helped save so much money and helped uh, get a lot of free ground and a lot of opportunities just by being around the flight school constantly. So um, I tried to apply for a lot of scholarships. Um, Unfortunately, I kind of aged out of quite a few that were offered. Um, A lot of those are aimed at more people in their younger 20s. And so I had less to apply to. Um, But overall, I was really, really just lucky and fortunate and I will totally own up to that for my flight training. Yeah, definitely. And scholarships is actually a big thing. Um, for anybody listening to this, look into scholarships. They help a lot when it comes to flight training and there's a ton out there, just people throwing away money basically um, just to help others. Exactly. And don't be afraid 
Don't be afraid to talk to your CFIs. I have written so many letters of recommendations and I have helped two students get very large scholarships um, by advocating for them and writing notes for them. So we're happy to do it as long as you're a student that's actually trying. Like we will write letters of recommendation for you if you're working with someone. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like the biggest thing that stops people from applying is like, hey, I never get selected for anything. I never receive anything or win anything. And I'm I'm just going to apply and I'm probably not going to get it. You know, they get discouraged right away. I feel like that's what most people will stop and not doing um, applying for these scholarships. Totally. Yeah. And there's certain ones where it's like, I know a handful of scholarships I've seen people get, you know, it's, there, I've seen ones for like the uh, ladies in flight training where it's like an $800 scholarship, which people are like, oh, it's a lot of work for $800. I'm like, you know, that's two flight lessons. Like <laughs> exactly. I would kill for $800 to go fly a plane for a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, don't don't leave anything on the table. Yeah, definitely. A dollar is a dollar, you know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if you yeah. would be excited if I went up and handed you a twenty dollar bill, you should apply for the five hundred dollar scholarship. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then um, so have you had any scary moments throughout your training, scared yourself on the airplane? It could be as a flight instructor or just by yourself doing flight training. Yeah. I mean, I feel like every day there's always something where even if it's that you're not scared, you as you fly more, you notice more and more of like, mm, that could have been bad. Like, I, I'm so glad I have the training and experience to not have had that happen. Um, the big one that I always tell people about that um, I work with a lot of commercial and CFI applicants now. And so I'm doing a lot of groundwork with people and ground study. And whenever I'm teaching stuff like optical illusions or night illusions, people always get like, "Ugh, why do I have to know this? This is so tedious. And when I was commercial time building and working on my CFI, I was doing my solo night VFR flying. And um, I remember I was coming back from Olivia, which is out in the Western suburbs for people not from Minnesota. Um, and I was coming back and after I landed in Olivia, my ADSB stopped working. Um, I couldn't get anything in to actually see my iPad where traffic was. It was super late. It was probably past, you know, getting close to midnight. And uh, so I got flight following. I was on my way back. I had just some music playing in my headset trying to, you know, keep the energy going. But I totally zoned out and I stared at some stars for a little too long. Yeah. And for any of you guys knowing when you stare at stars at night, what you can experience is autokinesis, which is where your eyes sense movement. And I will never forget the moment where I was just kind of gazing off and I saw two white lights and it looked like they were coming right at me for a midair. And Every time I describe it, I can still feel like the lump in my throat of like, <gasps> and I immediately reacted. I pulled out my throttle. I forward slipped like 500 feet thinking like, this is it. Like this is, I'm going to be in the news tomorrow. And luckily I had been studying that for my CFI. And I was like, oh my gosh, that was an optical illusion. I put in the throttle and I like looked and I started like scanning appropriately on the horizon and I was like, okay, those stars, my heart rate was like up to here. I immediately turned off my music. It was like so focused. Um, but I tell people all the time, uh, you know, everything we're doing where we're learning the theoreticals and we're learning the bigger, broader concepts that you're not applying to everyday flying, having those nuggets of information is what keeps you safe when that shock comes in. Um and yeah, it just, it still sits with me today. So it's like all of my students get so annoyed. So I'm like, we're talking night illusions and I have a story. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure you told me that story. Like I, I remember you told me I probably me that. did for your mock tech, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that, that one sticks true. And then, yeah, there's just always stuff with students where it's like, you know, you have a day where you come in and 
it's crazy as a flight instructor, you know, when you get past a thousand hours and you're sitting there and you're like, wow, that's never happened to me, but I recovered. Everything was fine. I've had students lock up brakes with me on the runway. I've had students spin me like all sorts of stuff and being able to just be like, wow, I was able to recover from that and like be even killed enough to be like, okay, well, let's try that again. Let's go. You're fine. <laughs> so, um, but it keeps you on your toes, keeps your days interesting, and it, it makes you a really good pilot. I, I love being an instructor. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm pretty sure I got over my stall fear because of you. I was so scared. I know you remember probably how I, was, <laughs> I would be on the controls like so hard and I'm, like the nose would dive on me so hard on, on the Cessnas. And I used to be so scared. <laughs> and I was getting rid of like, Luckily, go ahead. And I was getting in for my check ride, and I feel like you got me over that. Nice. Because on my check ride, I did it, and it was like perfect. And I was like, it wasn't too much dive or anything. I stalled it just perfectly, and <laughs> it was good. I was going to say, I, I know for a fact that you did not scare me because I do not remember teaching you stalls. I remember doing steep turns with you. That's like the only part of flying that, like, because I think it was my first time teaching steep turns to a student. So, like, that lives in my head. But you, you were really a good flyer. I remember going up with you being like, thank God, this is my first flight teaching somebody. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely fun times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, so um, if you were to go back and do this whole journey differently, um, is there, would you do it differently or is there something you would do the same? I was really happy with my whole journey. Um, being in part 61, it worked so well for me. I went to school originally before I ever knew I wanted to be a pilot for teaching social studies. I was very good at studying and reading and stuff. So I didn't feel the need to go to a 141 program. And I was able to do everything very fast and efficiently because I knew how to study and how to kind of hit stuff. Um, probably the only stuff I would have changed was trying to get out with more people that were pilots for safety piloting. I helped save a lot of money by when I was time building, I always went up with friends and family because if anyone was ever like, hey, like, here's $50. Thanks so much for like letting me like go get lunch with you or whatever, like paying their little bit to like help me apply to the rental cost. It was awesome. Um, but I didn't have a lot of friends that were uh, time building in the 172, which was my main plane. I had a lot of friends on the 152, which with weight and balance just never worked out for me to safety pilot. And I wish I had gotten the experience of flying with more pilots just to force me outside of my comfort zone a little bit more and go to different places and just try new things. Compared to like, I think when you fly, fly with friends and family, like I have my exact, I take somebody to Red Wing, I get the car, I take them to the chocolate shop. Like I have my like very specific, you've never done general aviation. Let me show you this cute little day trip. Yeah. Um, now, like getting to go up with pilots more often and prioritizing that, it's so much fun. And I feel like, the most fun I've ever had in my training is commercial time building. And I know I will never get that back where it's like just this chapter of your life where you're like, I have to spend so much money and I have to build my time and just get this done. And so you find the dumbest reasons to go fly, but they're all this fun adventure. And it's like, you, you'll just never have a reason to do that again. And so it's just this magical time. And I wish I would have shared it just with more pilots. Yeah, definitely. Commercial is actually a big thing, time building. Um, they do three stages here at the college, but the first stage is time building, commercial going long, cross countries and cross because I love those. And I'm doing maneuvers. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I wish I could go back and do those <laughs> long cross countries again. It's, it was, it's super fun. Yeah. Awesome. Have you finished your commercial long cross country yet? Uh, yes. Uh, so there's three stages um, here at the University of Mankato. Um, so we do stage one is uh, time building. So cr cross countries mm -hmm. stage two is going to be um, 
uh, maneuvers, and that's what I'm on right now. And then stage three is going to be the seminal, so multi-engine. So I get my multi-engine commercial before my single engine. Okay, awesome. So, and is it, <laughs> yeah. is it like a, a T-tail seminal then? or? Um, I believe so, yep. Okay, that's what I did my multi-engine in down in uh, Albert Lee for an accelerated course. And it's a fun plane. I loved it. <laughs> yeah, they're they're super fun. I heard this one has a autopilot and everything, so I'm excited to use that. <laughs> My mine had steam gauges and a four thirty, so the single engine instrument approach was like not hard to fly. It was just that I didn't even have like the G fives or a yeah. six fifty or anything nice. So okay. that was the harder part of my check ride. <laughs> yeah, hopefully mine will be easier with the G one thousand flex cockpit. <laughs> yeah, and then um, have you had any failures throughout your training, like any check ride, written test? or anything like that yeah so actually my only fail was my multi-engine um which was totally my fault it was actually a really good learning experience for me so i'd never failed a check ride i'd never failed a stage check never failed a written um and i felt really good about it i went down and did an accelerated program for my multi and it went great i had an awesome experience with the school i went to i loved my mei um and my dpe uh darren Schoen was awesome i thought he was so great I felt really well prepared, uh, went in, I nailed my oral. He was like, this is up to MEI standards. You're doing great. Went out and flew. It was like literally negative five degrees outside middle of December. It was so cold. And, um, the maneuvers I was the most worried about for my multi-engine was literally just like the, uh, like steep turns and stalls. Like that was the stuff I was the most worried about engine out and everything. I was like, I got this. It's no problem. And I was just riding the high. I was going through. I've never failed a check ride before. I was nailing all my maneuvers. And uh, he put me into a bank and then failed one of my engines. And so you have to, I know you're not doing multi yet, but you have to do the drill to like appropriately shut down the engine. And the way he did it, it was so smart of him as an examiner because he put me into a bank and then failed an engine. You know, when you go wings level, you have to tap a little bit of rudder to help, you know, wings level. And the way you identify a dead engine is dead foot, dead engine. Well, I put in the rudder to go wings level and I never stopped to like really take in what had happened. And so my wrong rudder input, I started just shutting down the working engine. <laughs> and we were up at a really high altitude because you're doing one engine operations. You don't do that low. And I had done all of my calculations about your service ceiling for a single engine and stuff like that. And we were sitting right around 8,000 feet and our service ceiling was right around like 8,000 feet. And so I saw that we were descending and I was taking in all this information and I was like, no, this is totally fine. We should be descending. We're close to the service ceiling. Like I reasoned through everything and just never looked at the fact he pulled back the other throttle. Like it was right in front of me. And he gave me so many times to correct yeah. it. And finally, like he had to say like, oh, Kale, I'm so sorry. And the second he said that I looked down and I was like, oh my God, I deserve to fail. And he like started laughing and he was just like, are you okay? And immediately I was like, you know, welling up, like I'd never failed anything before. And I was like, yep, yep, I'm, I'm fine. It's fine. And he was like, all right, do you want a second? And, I, and he's like, and do you want to continue? And I was like, yes, I want to continue. Give me a second. So he starts doing like 60 degree steep turns, like having fun in the plane. I'm just like sitting there like, I'm not crying. It's fine. <laughs> um, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I pulled myself together. I nailed the rest of my check ride. Everything else was great. I had to go up and retest. They like my, I mean, I took off and. <laughs> failed one of my engines. I ran through the drill. He made me land it. He was like, all right, you're good. I went up, 
DP did the same exact thing. It was 0.3 to get it all done and pass. Um, but yeah, so I talked to a lot of, especially CFI applicants about defense mechanisms and about rationalization and compensation and all these things we learn about in CFI training. Mm -hmm. Like, here's a real world example of me. Um, but I know the question you normally ask is like, you know, has that affected anything for anything else moving forward? And no, it hasn't. Um, all my airline interviews and stuff like that. They, the second you can actually sit there and like adequately talk about the fact of this is what I did. I screwed up. This is what I learned. This is what I've taken from it. They're like, all right, cool. And they're just moving on. Um, so I think like just taking full ownership and just making sure you can move forward with it. They understand people have an off moment and I'll never do that again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's one of the moments you just learn from that and then just go move forward from it. Yep. And yep. a lot of people, a lot of people don't understand that if you mess something on your check ride, you don't have to redo the whole check ride. Yep. It's just the part that you missed, you know? Yep. So that's what kind of some people don't know about that. And like to clarify that every time. Yeah, no, it was one of those things that like I have told my students that multiple times and I, it was really cool to actually experience it. Cause my DPE sat there and he's like, do you want to continue? I'm going to tell you, you should really continue if you can pull it together. And I was like, yes, I would like to continue. <laughs> Um, but uh, yeah, and that was funny actually. Cause, uh, so I've, I never failed a check ride and none of my students have ever failed a check ride. And so when I walked in, then he was like, all right, he's like doing my IACRA for my, uh, you know, failure or whatever the correct political correct term is. And he's like, all right, so you know, like what to do with this. And I was like, actually, I don't, can you walk me through it? I haven't looked at this since <laughs> I was going through CFI training. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, oh my gosh. So he was like showing me accurate what I needed to do. And he was like, none of your students have failed. And I was like, no, <laughs> this is a training moment for me. Yeah. <laughs> this is always the first. Yeah. But no, he was great. I highly recommend him as a DP. If you're somewhere in Southern Minnesota, uh, Darren was absolutely fabulous to work with. <laughs> All right. Great. Yeah. And then speaking of um, airlines, so What's your end goal with flying? Yeah, so airlines, I mean, I grew up in Minnesota, so like I'm a I'm a Delta girly. If you can't see my <laughs> Yeah, so you're repping the Delta. I'm repping, <laughs> repping the goals. Yeah. Um, no, uh, so yeah, I've been CFIing. I'm sitting in about 1,200 hours um, right now, and um, I have my offers for a couple regionals. So um, I'm hoping by the end of the year to be making my way off to training and stuff, which is super exciting. So yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of fun. Like once you kind of hit this point where it's, you're like right at the top end of your hours and like you have offers and you're just sitting there and it's like, I feel like it's senior year of high school where I'm like, yeah, I feel very comfortable in my job. Like I know what I'm doing and I feel like I'm really providing like a good amount of value and it's just fun. And now it's just like, I'm just enjoying it. And there's like the light at the end of the tunnel of <laughs> like, Oh, I get to go learn something <laughs> new soon. <laughs> so that's Yeah. Really I'm almost there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And there's so like that process of just applying to jobs. What is that process like from being CFI and now you're going to be an airline pilot soon? Totally. Yeah. Um, for one, if you're working at a flight school as a CFI, befriend the people who are further along than you. So you can like talk to them throughout the entire process because the market's constantly changing. Everything's different than it was like a year ago already. So befriend the people that are a few hundred hours before you. So you can take in all the nuggets of information. Um but no, overall, I started, um, I used uh, airlineapps.com, which is a whole website that you compile all of your information in, and you can just send your application to like every single airline, basically, and it has all the information they could potentially want. And uh, so I did that, and it takes a few days to get through, because holy crap, they want 
everything. <laughs> so when you decide to do it, just start working on it right away. Um, I started applying at 800 hours because back when I was applying, people were getting offers for dates like nine months in advance. Now it's a little different. It's more so that people will give you an offer for an airline, but they won't give you a date. It's just, hey, call us when you have your hours. And that way it's hopefully preventing people from getting so far in advance with their potential dates. Um, so I applied, I got interviews. So I've had people who have flown me out to their home bases that I got to do like in-person interviews and see the training facilities, which was really cool to do. Um, and then I've also had Zoom interviews, um, which was much more low key and at the same time, not nearly as fun. But <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I used, uh, I can't remember the website now. There's a popular website that everyone's aware of that you put in your experience with the interviews to help you prep for the interview, which I do highly recommend doing that and talking to anybody who's gone ahead of you just in terms of what to study. Um, because definitely the weeks leading up to it, it felt like studying for a check ride, um, in terms of going over your weather theory and going over, um, Jefferson plates for instrument. Cause they don't use the government plates, but there's just a lot of ins and outs that you're like, Oh my gosh, I have to actually think again. Like it's not single okay. pilot CFI work anymore. It's more advanced than that. Um, but, uh, the only other thing then is that, uh, I was very lucky. I have friends who are already past their IOE at their uh, airlines and stuff like that. They're already working on the line and I've gone out for drinks with them and to catch up with them. And they've told me these interesting stories about ramp operations or about, you know, how these various things work in the airlines that we're just so not aware of. Um, yeah. so it was great. Cause actually a lot of that information came up where I kind of got to flex a little bit in my interview then where I knew some things that maybe weren't quite as obvious. So that was really nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but overall, like the interview process, it wasn't that hard or anything like that. It's just like really buckling down and taking time out of your day between instructing and between everything else and just making sure you're up on all your stuff even more. And being a CFII helps. Being instrument current and proficient makes a huge difference for the airline interviews. All right. Yeah, definitely. It looks like you had a little bit of um, like preparedness, just talking to friends there and helping you out. Yeah, makes a huge difference. Yeah, that's really great. And then, um, so how did you stay motivated uh, throughout your training? Was there a routine that you did or was there something that you did every time before you went flying just to stay motivated and be on your game basically? Uh, I go through chapters where I have different songs that I listen to on the way to work as like my pump up music. <laughs> uh, so yeah, music's really big. Um, having a close group of friends at work where there are people you can go out with and kind of like share the burden of the day type thing was hugely beneficial and seeing people get closer to their hours and celebrating it when they do leave. Um, but honest to God, my favorite thing to do is just uh, like keeping, I keep metrics of like everything that's happening. So I have a list of all of my students that I've had them pass their check ride. Um, I was like meticulously planning everything. I qualified for gold seal with the FAA for my flight instructor. So that was like a big moment of celebration. So there was like all just these things where it's like watching on four flight, like my hours tick up or another check ride pass and stuff like that. So there's always a new goal you can strive for where you don't get lost in the monotony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. But, oh, and then also I got, so I got hired in flight and in flight has a lot of different planes and different um, things to do. So then, you know, qualifying to go get my Cirrus instructor um, training and stuff like that. Um, the new one that I'm going to start doing is I'm hoping to go get, um, I'll become the new spin instructor at in flight is the goal. Um, okay. So yeah, there's various things where it's like talking to your chief pilot or just looking for opportunities like that to do something fresh and stretch the brain a little bit and not 
just teach slow flight for the thousandth hour. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, advocating for more opportunities like that helps a ton. Yeah, that's really cool. All right. Um, so tips. Do you have any tips for someone who's getting started in aviation right now or already pursuing their dream right now? Yeah, get your writtens done. For the love of God, please get your written done. Um, all of my students that have listened to me and have just flat out scheduled their writtens for a certain date and have held themselves to it in terms of getting their ground school done, doing shepherd air, whatever it is for your current rating, those guys have saved so much money and time compared to the people that get lost in this perfectionist loop of like, no, I'm not ready. No, I'm not ready. No, I'm not ready. I need to, I need to watch all the videos again. I'm like, no, you don't. Just go take your um I did all my training like that where I decided like I was finished my private I took like three weeks off to fly and just like enjoy and then I was immediately an instrument and I said okay it's gonna take this many hours if I fly three to four times a week this is how many lessons I'm gonna schedule and then I'm gonna take my written on this date my check ride's gonna be on this date and I booked everything and I held myself to it where I was just like, nope, this is, I treated it kind of like a college class for you. Like you guys are super regimented where it's like, well, this is when it is. So I have to figure it out. Um, yeah. I basically uh-huh. just took that same concept and applied it to my specific situation with money and schedules and everything like that in a part 61. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Rent is actually a big thing. Um, so for the college here, they actually, when we take the ground class, um, at the end of the ground class, mm-hmm. they give you actually a chance to get. 100% if you take the written test. So it kind of kind of pushes you to take it and get 100% awesome. on the class, you know, even if you don't get 100 on the written test itself. So I feel like a lot of people take it because they want to pass the class with 100%, you know, on the on the last on the final quiz. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> but yeah, no, that would be the biggest thing for saving time and money and just showing your CFI that you actually care enough to get it done, like you'll win major brownie points. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, definitely. All right. And we're going to conclude this with a would you rather game. Uh, So I'll give you a couple options and then you pick one from that. Awesome. All right. So the first one is, would you rather fly general aviation or commercial? Okay. The problem with this is that I'm still very much general aviation right now because it's my life. I've not Uh been in a cockpit for a commercial. (laughs) But for my purposes in terms of like if I'm trying to get somewhere like for a trip, would I rather rent a plane myself or would I rather fly commercial? I'd rather fly commercial. I'm very much a, a Delta status member and I like the comfort and knowing that I'm going to get somewhere on time. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, but if it's just like a date night with my husband, then general aviation all the way. But yeah, I think commercial is going to be my overall like choice. <laughs> yeah, cool. <laughs> and then would you rather fly over beaches or mountains i really like i saw this question coming and i really don't know because minnesota i love the beaches i love flying over the water it's perfect we don't get it. but i cannot yeah. wait for mountain flying like a goal of mine is to go out to alaska and like do like one of those like long courses of mountain flying so i'll say beaches because i do purposely try to fly over like the rivers and lakes every time i get a chance here <laughs> yeah flying over water is really cool it's beautiful yeah all right and then would you rather fly high wing or low wing high wing all the all the time i i love my high wing <laughs> yeah i knew that one was coming. <laughs> i love the tears i love the arrow yeah. i love the seminal they're all great but i love a high wing plane <laughs> yeah they're great all right so would you rather fly airbus or boring once again haven't been in a cockpit for either one of these <laughs> but the actual like user, like the experience of the passengers, I'd rather be on an Airbus. I get very excited when I realize I'm on an Airbus. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 
and then the annoying sound that it makes. And yes, besides that, I do live on the flight path uh, for the one sevens in my house, and so I always know which plane is going overhead because I do know the noises now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's very cool. All right, so last one: Would you rather fly IFR or VFR? IFR, all the way. IFR was by far the best rating I ever got. And every time I take up a student in actual, especially like they laugh at me because I'll sit there and I'm like, this is magic. Like, look at it. It's so cool. There's just something about the procedures and the fact that like when you do everything right, and I know it's science, I know it's technology, but when you pop out of the clouds and a runway's there because you did everything right, it's just chef's kiss. It's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's one of those feelings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah it's really good i for like instrument rating is really tough for getting it but yes. once you get it it's very beautiful and you get to enjoy your hard work exactly and just the freedom of everything and the priority of getting into cool airports and stuff it's just so many benefits yep yeah it's really great all right so that's the end of this episode uh thank you so much for coming out and being on the podcast with me and i really appreciate it yeah thank you that's it for this episode thank you so much for taking the time and listening in i really hope you enjoyed this and found this beneficial make sure you follow me on instagram at first gen pilot that's one st dot gen dot pilot also make sure you follow and leave a review on apple Podcasts and spotify at first gen pilot anyways guys until next time keep the blue side up we'll see you